0: Welcome to the Hunt Backcountry podcast presented by Exo Mountain Gear. This podcast and the gear that we produce at XO Mountain Gear share the same purpose, to make you a more capable, confident, and successful backcountry hunter. This show is all about providing you with valuable information from experienced hunters. To learn more about the podcast or about our backcountry hunting packs, visit exomountaingear.com. Well, welcome to the Hunt Back Country Podcast. This is episode 178. And on this show, Steve and I will be recapping the death hike that we just completed this past weekend. So previously, we covered a little bit about this year's death hike on the Monday Minute, but we couldn't share the story, obviously, because it hadn't happened yet, but also because part of this adventure this year were some surprise challenges that we couldn't talk about because we didn't want guys hearing what was coming. So now that we're on the other side of the death hike, we wanted to recap the experience, the lessons we learned, the surprise challenges that everyone encountered along the way, and maybe give you guys some ideas for, well, maybe go do this event on your own. Like grab some buddies, go find a challenge, put it together, make it happen. It would be cool. One of the pieces of gear I relied on for this hike was the brand new Brooks Down sweater from First Light, and you can win one. So First Light partnered with us for the podcast this month. The monthly giveaway here in june of 2019 you can win that new brooks down sweater from first light just go to exomountgear.com forward slash podcast you can enter there really easy so the brooks is going to be a great piece of active insulation it has 800 filled down only weighs 11 12 ounces right in that ballpark depending on your sizing of course Packs super small i'm really really happy to have it in my pack for the death hike and for upcoming big game seasons this fall so go check that out, as well as the rest of the new 2019 gear at firstlight.com. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, share this episode with a friend, or send us your feedback to podcast at exomongear.com Here's the show. Steve, we survived the death hike. How the heck are you?
1: <laughs> i'm doing good man not uh not as sore as i probably should be which i guess is a good sign
0: yeah yeah for sure it's funny the the differences i would say from last year of doing nearly 100 miles to this year not nearly the mileage but still physical obviously much heavier this year um but i think the guys that did both were um i don't know not disappointed right but Even though it's still physically difficult, guys were, I think, feeling better the next day um, than they did last year after the death hike, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a general, uh, definitely a general statement to be made there that uh, guys were a little bit less sore, which was surprising to me. I mean, we did the last 18 miles, you had to have, you know, everyone's packs, you had to add 40 pounds to your pack, so everyone was between 70 and 80 pounds for an 18-mile hike, uh, which is uh, not something easily done.
0: Yeah, no joke. Um, yeah, so just hit the overview. I, one of the things I really enjoyed about this year was just that it was, I think it was the most realistic death hike, um, in terms of what actually applies to hunting and what we do on a quote unquote normal base of a, of a backcountry hunt. Um, and we can get into that with some of the challenges and that, but again, just to kind of recap, what was the format of the death hike? We touched on this on a previous Monday minute, but just kind of, if guys missed it, what was the quick overview of how we approached this year
1: um yeah we we essentially just set out to do a bear hunt but we put parameters on it of distances that you had to hike um we kind of made it put a timeline on it which you know these are all very realistic situations that guys could run into they could get to the trailhead at midnight and have 48 hours to hunt and they have to get out by midnight because they got to drive home through the night and get to work the next day right um, so everything was pretty realistic. Even the the minimum distance hike. The first thing I was thinking about is the the um, uh, Hall Road in Alaska, where if you want to rifle hunt, you got to hike five miles across open tundra before you could get to uh, where you can where you can rifle hunt. And So we basically said you got to hike 20 miles before you can hunt, um, just to kind of you know make it hard, make it a challenge, and and mix kind of a, a bear hunt in together with um, you know our death hike format of essentially just pushing your body as hard and as far as it can go
0: so 20 mile minimum before you're hunting essentially that sounded way more doable with starting at midnight i'm thinking there's some teams that are gonna push through and have a good part of friday but i was really interested to hear talking to guys afterwards that most teams i mean it, it took them quite a bit into the next day in terms of daylight to actually knock out those 20 miles and part of that i think was just introducing the challenges along the way so it's not like you could only cover 20 miles but what would you like what feeling did you have on average for the rough time that guys covered that 20 miles
1: um i think most guys depending on the well i think it was anywhere from 10 a.m to i think i heard as late as 4 p.m the next day to get your 20 miles yeah Uh, i know lenny they i think they had their group had um not i mean we had essentially a really nice trail just a, you know, maybe had to step over 50 logs in 20 miles. I mean, it's pretty much nothing. Um, I think they had like a three mile section of, of avalanche, uh, log piles, right? Like just going super, super slow. So it just depends on your trail, but yeah, 10 AM to, to 4 PM is kind of the range I heard. And, um, you could probably add two and a half hours in there for some of the challenges that we had to do that added to it. So, yeah. Maybe if you hiked at midnight and you really pushed hard, you'd be you could have been somewhere by say eight a.m. Um, but at the same time, if you push that hard, you'd probably be just wiped out by the time you got that far in there. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think you can just as a rough rule, I think you could say to You know, with light packs, moderate terrain, you're going to average two and a half miles an hour, and and average meaning. Stop to get water. Stop to rest. Uh, all the stuff that kind of eats up that time in between. Because if if you're hiking and hiking hard, you're going to do three, three and a half miles an hour. So,
0: yeah, the the dynamic of how people chose to cover that ground was interesting. Our team happened to do almost all of that via road miles, and then our plan was we only need to be essentially a few miles deep into the backcountry, if you will, to hunt. And so we were planning on covering a lot of road miles. That made the first bit go by really quick. I mean, we covered the first seven miles really quick. Um, but those road miles were not fun. Um mm. doing that much on the road versus a trail, you have a much more uh packed surface. So I think it really started to create a little bit of wear and tear. Um versus mm-hmm. trail miles, there's a lot less variation. Um so that was interesting. Then to look at some of the guys who decided to drive for two hours and then hike i mean there's all different strategies and so it's part of the fun aspect of it i'd say for sure though doing something like this again i wouldn't do that many road miles <laughs> I'd, I'd much <laughs> rather be on the trail and in the backcountry for sure
1: yeah i was uh, similar similarly like we had um we had 11 miles of logging road and then nine of trail uh and and ours was determined by uh, uh basically the the we couldn't drive any further on the road. We hit some some big old logs across the road and snowbanks. The trucks couldn't go any further, so we were forced to start walking. Um, but yeah, the the road miles seem to almost go by slower just because it's uh, it's not as dynamic. You know, it's a, it's the great or a very similar thing would be when you jump on the interstate and hit cruise control at eighty. Like things just seem to go really slowly. <laughs> you know, uh, versus if you're driving like a a you know. Uh, backroads highway where there's just the roads winding and curving and you're kind of staying engaged in it so uh, I'd, i'd prefer to do nice i guess nice trail uh versus versus road miles
0: so weather was um weather was a factor kind of for the whole weekend and we get into more of it later but the forecast was looking really sketchy uh beforehand and then we had quite a few guys driving over from washington oregon and they were reporting that as they were driving over into idaho they went through nasty nasty weather we could see weather systems building uh while we had daylight before we started hiking at midnight had some rain before midnight so we were i think most guys were in a mindset that hiking through the night with what we know is coming is going to be pretty dang miserable um (laughs) It it turned out, I think we got lucky. I don't know if that system broke apart, if it missed us to the north or the south, but it was not nearly what I think was forecasted, what some guys experienced driving over, or what we were anticipating. Which you know, some weather, some level of weather makes it interesting, but I don't. I wasn't too upset that it wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was. It was like a love hate thing for me from the idea of making the hike even harder. I was I was digging the weather coming in hoping it wasn't going to affect the hunt. But then in reality, like once you're out there having nice weather, so, so stinking taking nice uh, versus just being soaking wet and cold and miserable. Uh, once you're, you know, it's nothing worse than just being wet when you're out there. You just, yeah, it's not fun.
0: So yeah, let's just, let's go ahead and dive into, I guess, um, the challenges. We'll just hit each one. Part of the reason that we're doing this, um, is it's fun to tell the story about the hike or what have you and kind of relive it, talk about what we learned, but we, we get a lot um, from guys who want to participate in this and just with logistics, it's very difficult to do. And obviously some guys, it's not even accessible for them to come out if they wanted to, if they even had the opportunity, but it, w- it would be great to see you guys, listeners, wherever you're in the country, put on your own little event, and by event, it doesn't have to be some organized thing. You can grab five buddies and, and put on your own little death hike, if you will. Um, the challenges piece this year that we added in, I think, is really beneficial. We'll get into each one individually, but I also think it's cool because it can make this template where maybe it gives you guys ideas if you want to put on um, a similar hike to... To kind of throw some of these in there. So we basically had envelopes. Each envelope was a challenge. They're sealed. Each team gets this bag of envelopes. They have to open up an envelope at a certain time. So they obviously don't know what the challenge is till they open up that envelope at say 3 a.m. And then there's your challenge. You have to do it. And so essentially only you and i steve knew what those were we had to create the challenges make the envelopes <laughs> and for everybody else there were surprises um let's just hit them in order so to begin with as the event starts again we're starting at midnight some guys are hitting the trail right at midnight from uh, essentially the base camp we had set up some guys are driving 20 minutes some guys are driving two hours but regardless when you started hiking there was the start envelope and what was that one steve
1: uh, that one basically said you're a dumbass and you left your headlamp at home, uh, but uh, so you're gonna hike the next hour without a headlamp, um, which I thought was just a fun kind of you practical. know one. It's it's practical, um, yeah. and I thought it was just kind of a fun one to start off with because it was um, you know you've got all this. The the one thing I wanted to do with, throughout the night was anticipating everybody had all this kind of. Um, you know, pent up energy, like, let's go do this, let's knock this out, and then try to, like, you know, cut them down at the knees, and be like, so, okay, you're ready to, like, it's, you're ready to go, you're ready to start hiking,
0: Basically and, slow them
1: down. yeah, slow them down, like, um, so, you're ready to start hiking, and now I'm going to say, you, uh, you read it, I'm going to say, you can't hike with a headlamp, so it's really going to slow you down, force you to take your time, um, and it was, uh, I think everyone had this very similar experience, the first 30 minutes of that, I have never been uh, or never attempted to hike in that pitch black. Like there wasn't any moonlight ever. The whole sky was just covered in clouds, no starlight. Uh, One of those, once you turn off your headlamp and even five, ten minutes into it, you're like putting your hand and touching your nose and you can't even see your hand in front of you. Um, I don't know how. So we had uh, a group of nine of us that all taken off the same direction. And Travis Smith was out in front and I have no idea how he was following the road for the first, you know, literally must have like super night vision because nobody could see anything. Um, We were literally like there was a bunch of logs in the road and you'd kind of walk with your trekking pole out in front of you and you'd kind of, the guy in front would tap the log and, you know, yell tree and everybody behind him would just kind of slow down. (laughs) You just kind of hold this trekking pole out in front of you because you, you really couldn't see it until you felt it. I mean, it was full-on, about as close to being blind as you could ever get, I think.
0: Yeah. I, I know I talked to, I forget the group, but some of the guys that were on trail first, I mean, they were telling stories of literally walking into trees. I think they said <laughs> they covered 0. 0.3 miles in that first hour. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't hear that part. That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, I mean, if you were on trail, I mean, as you mentioned, Steve, there was pretty thick cloud cover. There wasn't much moonlight, starlight, but... I don't know, we were in, we were on the road, so you could kind of see this, like, faint lightness of the gravel road, and we were actually cruising, um, mm-hmm. obviously trying to make sure we're not stepping on rocks or into ruts, and we could hear water, and, yeah, we had to be a little bit careful. But, I mean, those guys, like, truly getting into the woods right away, um, that had to be just terrible, <laughs> <laughs> just terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was fun. an interesting one. One hour there, um... Again, it depended, like we started, we ended up hiking. We didn't really start hiking till close to one, so we basically did our one hour from one to two. Um, some teams got that first hour done earlier, some teams that drove further started later, but basically had that hour. And then the first timed envelope was for 3 a.m. Um, so again, we had all, everybody set alarms essentially. So it'd remind you to open that envelope at 3am and then, uh, talk us through that one, Steve.
1: Uh, yeah, again, same thing of kind of slowing you down, cutting you off at the knees, taking away your, your momentum and energy. Uh, I I forced everybody, and this sounds really rough to take a 45 minute nap. I said, uh, second you read this, set up your pad, whatever, like you don't have to set up your shelter, but you have to blow up your pad. Get in your sleeping bag. The second you're in your sleeping bag, set a timer for 45 minutes. The second that timer goes off, get up and get moving. Um, and this one was interesting. I think it was it was hard for some people, but I'd say as a general consensus, you know, eight nine of the groups got up right away after 45 minutes and got up and started hiking. Um, in our group, like I said, we still had nine of us together at that point. We had three groups. Uh, I was the last one to get up and move and like the alarm went off and you know, I'm just laying there for probably a minute or two, just like, uh, but everybody was up and packed and ready to go. So I did, uh, I thought it was going to be a tougher challenge just throwing that, you know, you again, you're all amped up. You've been hiking probably 10 miles or something at that point or, you know, five to 10 miles depending. And, um, but it seemed to go pretty smoothly for, for people in general. Yeah.
0: I would, I think if, People would have passed out pretty hard, and I thought more people would have slept hard. Uh, being that it's 3 a.m., you've already done some, some level of physicality, it would be tough to get up. But I really, from at least the vibe I got with talking with quite a few guys, is most people just didn't. I mean, they, they didn't get into that deep sleep where that 45-minute mm. alarm now just rocks them, and they don't want to get up. I mean, yeah. I was exhausted and had been up for almost twenty four hours at that point, but because of the hike and like the anticipation, I w I I didn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I mean it felt good to lay down for a bit. Um but yeah, that I I really do like that challenge and I think it messed with different people in different ways for sure.
1: Yeah. The one thing that um also I think was surprising to me and to a lot of guys that I talked to as well was kinda how well they did with the lack of sleep. Uh, in general that I think if I was like, not in a million years, would I, I, you know, I'm just a grouchy guy in the mornings and I always say, I need my sleep. Um, but I don't think I would ever try to do an elk hunt where I started hiking at midnight with the intent to hike through the night and hunt the entire next day. Right. Um, I would just sleep at the trailhead or hike in a certain distance and then sleep from say 2am to 6am and then get up and keep hiking. Um, but it, it, it didn't seem to – like I know if I had done that uh, and got into good elk, I would have been fine to hunt that whole next day. And you would have crashed early and crashed hard that night for sure. But it was definitely opened my eyes to – that's entirely feasible to do, to, to get to a trailhead at midnight, hike through the night, hunt the whole next day. You know, probably be able to take a, a good nap from 11 to 1, hunt the evening, and then, you know, sleep well that night and just be kind of right back to normal um, normal schedule.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think if you, like, so you had a short weekend, um, I think that's feasible. Obviously if you're just trying to start, let's say a five or seven day hunt like that, I think that'll catch up (laughs) with you. Um, I think you'll end up sleeping through some, some good hunting time just to get the rest. But (laughs) I certainly think exactly what your experience was. It, It wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be. And it definitely, I think opened my mind for like a quick, like, bonsai 48 hour trip like essentially what we did right um of going i have limited time to get into country and not waste daylight hiking through the night not not too bad really yeah no not at all so cool so that's uh 3 a.m say you know basically three to four by the time you set up and then tear down and then have that 45 minute rest so most guys were probably moving a little bit after four with that one. And then what time was the next one? It was uh, 5.30. 5.30, yeah. So, uh, you, again, you get hour to hour and a half to hike here um, and then next challenge.
1: Uh, yeah, so I waited till 5.30 because I knew it would just be starting to get light um, and then basically said you were crossing a creek and you went for a swim. Uh, and, and now you need to get hiking and get, get warmed up. So I told everybody, strip down to your underwear, jump in a Creek, uh, submerge yourself. Uh, and some guys, it was like just kind of laying down in a little stream. Some guys, you know, we were in something that was, I sat down and I was basically chest deep, um, and, and staying there for 60 seconds and then get out, get your clothes on and, and get hiking. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, uh, definitely a a fun one to hear the stories back at camp so
0: yeah I, the, I think the the best story was i forget which group it was you probably know steve but the guys who were less than 200 yards from a oh. hot spring and didn't yeah. realize it
1: yeah yeah it was travis van dam's group i can't remember who was with them but yeah, yeah. they were they read it. They literally jumped in some some cold water and they got on and got hiking and t- not 200 yards later there was a hot spring sitting there. So it would have been a, it would have been epic had they been at the hot springs and videoed that challenge because <laughs> it, <laughs> it didn't specify it had to be cold water. So uh, that was pretty funny. And then another uh, Scott Card and um, Jesse Wise, his group, they uh, they ended up jumping into a, like a really deep elk wallow, <laughs> which was. Um, yeah, that was and beyond. Uh, yeah, that was above and beyond. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. <laughs> that was pretty, uh, pretty dang hilarious though. Did
0: I see one group that had made a fire beforehand?
1: Yeah, one group that that was that's... cheating. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was... just just it's smart. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so moving through the night, now it's essentially daylight at this point. Part of what we wanted to do was schedule through the, schedule the challenges through the night leave daylight to hunt as much as possible. Um uh, but there was one final challenge at least for this first day at daylight after the water deal. Uh it was 6 uh 6:30 6:45. What time was that, Steven, morning?
1: Uh I yeah, 6:45. Like
0: yeah. So this one was a shooting challenge. They open up the envelope. There's a target inside of it. Um and they have to shoot. So just to set context. We had the three-man teams. It was up to the team. If one man wanted to pack a rifle, uh, two guys want to pack a rifle or three, I mean, do whatever you want there. And then some guys, you know, all all guys on the team had tags, all didn't. But we did make it clear beforehand, everyone will be shooting at some point. Um, and that was the shooting challenge. So Steve, talk about how you set up, you know, the yardage and the distance and why for the shooting challenge.
1: Yeah, I just try to think of a good, um, a distance that everybody... I wouldn't say everybody, but I'd say the vast majority of the group would feel comfortable shooting. There, you know, there's a lot of guys there who are pretty uh, proficient with rifles, kind of shoot, you know, long range, quote unquote. Um, and so I thought for like for whatever reason, 436 came up. I know, like from setting up all the Tamarack archery shoots, the shots that are that are tough or the the oddball distance, right? Like the 67 yards, because it's like you're you're not you can't just evenly gap your 60 and your 70 yard pin. Um, so, rifle, I was thinking guys are probably got a 400 yard mark and they got a 450 yard mark on, on their dial. Um, so, let's make this 436. Um, the rule was it had to be um, you had it right where you were standing, or essentially, as soon as you could, you had to shoot directly uphill or downhill 436 yards. Turned out that was pretty stinking hard. Uh, we ended up hiking. I I don't don't kid you, three miles probably after that challenge before we got to a spot where we could even, it opened up enough to shoot that. It was so brushy and steep that, you know, you maybe could like 50 yards down to the creek and every once in a while there'd be like 100 yards up, but we could never get that distance. So our angle was was actually fairly flat, maybe slightly uphill. Um, But yeah, I just wanted everybody to, I think there's such a stark contrast between. Going out to the range, you know, you got steel targets out there at, at 500 yards. We, I mean, at the we had a steel target set up at, at base camp, and, and guy, we had a 350-yard target, and guys were just drilling that one after another. Um, but you get in the mountains, you get an uneven terrain, you get uphill-downhill shots. You know, your, your effective distance really gets cut down pretty quick. So I'll, I was super excited to see – the results of what the targets everybody brought back in. And in general, I would say the shooting was pretty poor. I don't yeah. know if you'd uh, agree with me on that, but I think uh, a, f- a few groups like shot nice groups, but they were eight inches right, you know? Um, so it's like, well, I, I shot, gr- I shot great, but the windage was wrong. And it's like, well, that's, that's a wounded bear. That's a bear in the guts. Right. Um, and so it was just a, I liked the challenge. Because it was a very realistic test and set realistic expectations on how much your effective range does really get decreased while you're out in the field. And, and this is shooting with no time constraints, no live animal, you know, theoretically, no adrenaline pumping through your body. Um, you know, it's still, but it's still just like a real mountain shot uh, in and in a real situation that you're going to face while you're out there hunting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to, I don't know, just, just to throw yardages out there or as you mentioned, like, shoot in ideal conditions. Um, I mean, I was, a couple weeks before this, I was out shooting at 350 and just hammering stuff. But wind was great, no pressure, you know, no big deal. Um, And this challenge, when we were shooting our team, like, it happened. I mean, we were literally looking through our scope and watching snow blow sideways, like, almost perpendicular to the ground. And so it's just one of those games of... How well do I really understand what is going? what my bullet flight is going to be 436 yards down range in these types of conditions? And in the end, like our three guys, none hit the target. And there was quite a few groups who clean targets coming back for sure. I think what, two, yeah. maybe three groups, um, all three guys hit the target, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think it was only, yeah, two, I think it was just two. I think two. it was two, yeah. So. Another group, another one group had a, a fairly tight group for four hundred thirty-six yards, but I said it was all to the far edge of the paper. So, yeah. yeah. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it's definitely, um, I think in light, I don't want to even say in the lightning cause I'm not totally surprised by it, but I think it, it right. was a very helpful like real world to look at not only what did I do this day, but to take 33 guys who all at some level, shoot. I mean, some of these guys aren't rifle guys, but at some level, you're talking hunters, guys that have spent some time behind a rifle, right? Mm-hmm. And to take 33 guys and say, eh, probably six, seven, eight of them made what I would call a good shot in those conditions, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. So the the other beauty of this, let's, let's talk about, so for some of these challenges, It was just a challenge for some of the challenges we had, like a competition. The shooting had to be one of them. Um, So the team that had the best three-shot group on target um, won some really cool Benchmade knives. And the guys that won that, what were they shooting, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) This is beautiful. I love this.
1: Yeah, it was Pat, Rick, and Jake, the the guys that work in the Exo Warehouse. I, I put them on the same team. And uh, it was Pat's rifle, and I think he said it's like a twenty-year-old Winchester I think gun. Like
0: thirty, yeah. I yeah, think he said like, it was made the year he was born. So, oh,
1: <laughs> just a, you know, there's a, there's a, a lot of guys, myself included, I'm packing around a four thousand dollar carbon barrel, super nice gun, and the the team that won the challenge had a you know twenty thirty year old freaking Winchester or something. So yeah. it was pretty, uh, and I don't think Pat had ever even. Shot it past three hundred and fifty yards, uh, wow. so it was uh, it's pretty wild.
0: Yeah, they were all on target, good group. Um, shooting a thirty year old gun, shooting a two seventy, and then yeah, we have all these guys with three, four, five thousand dollar guns and the latest sexy cartridge. You know, yeah. hitting blanks essentially. <laughs> so that that was uh, that was helpful yeah. as well. Good reminders. yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> so that concludes essentially the challenges, uh, timeline wise for now. Um, and so,
1: yeah, essentially put, put the challenges throughout the night. And then the goal was, um, by, you know, you shot first thing in the morning, basically shot when you had good daylight and then you were just hunting, you know, just, no, we weren't messing around or we're at that point we're hunting and, and, um, going to hunt all the way through that night and Saturday morning
0: right so most teams are done with the challenges by between say 7 and seven thirty in the morning you now have essentially till dark to hunt uh sounds like a good chunk of time but most guys didn't get much hunting in between covering miles um and then as good as the weather was overnight for the hike um most groups had weather systems throughout the day um so that actual day of hunting was, I mean, for some teams it was essentially nothing. Um, I think you said, Steve, you guys got maybe thirty to sixty minutes of like yeah, decent glassing was,
1: in, or four, yeah, we are. Uh, we got to mile eighteen pretty quick, but then to get up to our glassing point was another four miles and like three thousand foot of climbing. Uh, so that took us a little bit of time to get up there. I think it was like twelve thirty. Something like that, and literally by the time we got up there, it, was like a, it started to rain, and then it turned into snow, and then it got fogged in. And we're like, "Well, let's just Jeff, uh, us could pack the teepee, so we just set up the teepee, It's crawl here, take a, a nap for two hours, um, and then hopefully it clears out." And never cleared out. I mean, we Jeff got out and I got out uh, like for 45 minute little bunches to glass in between the you know all the clouds and, and snow that was rolling in uh and didn't see anything, but it was pretty much from noon until we went to bed, pretty much hanging out in the teepee. So which was fun. We got you know, you just BS a lot and you're killing time and telling stories. So Right. But uh would have rather been out there in decent weather, glassing up bears, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, our team, we hiked in some rain and some snow for a bit and it kept getting worse and worse. We we uh ended up near a old cabin, um, essentially, and it I think it was like probably between two and three in the afternoon kind of hunkered down there under like a a little cover porch basically um crawled in the sleeping bags it was windy and cold and the weather would get worse and worse and then break and you'd see blue sky and at one point um Joey and Corey that I were with they were both passed out sleeping and the clouds break and the sun's out and it's blue skies and I'm getting ready to wake them up and I kind of got them stirring a little bit and I'm I'm getting ready to be like, all right, let's pack up. Let's get out of here. Let's go get after some bears. And over the course of 10 minutes of that process, now all of a sudden it's literally hailing and windy. I mean, it was just, (laughs) you couldn't get a break. So Uh, I know that we were uh, hunkered down from two or three in the afternoon until the next morning. So, I mean, there was just, there was no hunting to be done really. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Pretty wild.
1: It was such a weird, um, I remember just going, like I had this mindset of, should have a super light pack, minimal gear, you know, it's June, backpacking. Reality was, it was a pretty much the equivalent of backpacking in November. I mean, we were looking at, you know, 24, 25 degree temps and we woke up to an inch of snow. You know, it was pretty uh, pretty wild. So, yeah. it's kind of, um, it's funny how you have these like preconceived notions in your head of what you're going to need and the gear and then you get there and it's like everything's kind of turned upside down.
0: Yeah. Well, just, I mean, it was a few weeks later in the year, but thinking of last year's death hike, I mean, you essentially carried food and a bivy and that was it. Like there was no gear, protection, shelter even really. I mean, you could get away with just nothing essentially. And (laughs) if you tried to do that this year, you would have been screwed. (laughs) You'd have been hiking out or something. (laughs) Yeah. So, so overnight, um, pretty much not much hunting that day. Guys wake up, some guys are getting started early, hitting the trail early, some guys are tired from, you know, the sleepless night that night previous and have now slept the night, but sleeping in a bit. Basically, now it starts a challenge again. So we're on to the second and final day of the hike. Guys don't know it, but if you haven't killed a bear at this point, you're gonna have a long day. If you have killed a bear. You're going to have a long day. <laughs> so
1: Apparently, my name was cussed a few times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I think it was, what was it, Steve? C- 8 a.m. was the challenge envelope?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I was going to make it like 10 a.m., but then it was your idea, like, hey, let's just do this first thing so guys can kind of plan the morning and know what to expect. So basically, at 8 a.m., they opened the envelope and said, you know, congratulations, uh, you killed 120 pounds of rock. Figure out how to get the rocks out of here. And I said, you, you don't have to start packing them now, but they must be packed a minimum of 18 miles. So you had, uh, had to fill up between, you know, the three guys in the group, you had to fill up 120 pounds of rocks and pack them out. Um, and so you could have divided that, divided that up however you like. I, in general, I'd say everybody just did 40 pounds, um, with a few exceptions here and there.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, we were, we were 22, 23 miles deep, I think at that point. So we hiked four or five miles, something like that and got to that 18 mile mark, um loaded up and kind of we we took the approach of uh we had different pack weights just with gear and like joey wasn't carrying a rifle and cory and i were that type of thing so we basically just did the math and averaged it out so we all had 80 pound packs essentially so joey who wasn't carrying a rifle was now carrying a 55 pound rock um you know whereas i had 40 pounds and then cory had a rifle and more gear and was carrying a little bit less but like so our team we ended up just all coming out across the board at with eighty pound packs. Mm. Um yeah, it was uh yeah, it was a it was a good long day. I mean part of what I don't think we've mentioned in this podcast yet was we had thirty three guys and we were able to get them all into one of the new K three frames. So talking about not only a a physical test for each guy to pack, call I, I would say if there was the average was mid to upper seventies for sure. Um yeah. like across the board. So to pack out that type of weight um, for 18 miles is no joke and then everybody's doing it on a new frame that's new to them which was a good a good little test as well so Yeah overall it was, like, it, was uh, right. it was impressive, you know, how yeah. guys stepped up to do that for sure.
1: Yeah, every every single group did it and sucked it up and um, it was a good good lesson. You know, I know we want to do an episode on on packing meat and stuff and it was a good lesson on on just like live in the field of packing like you know, weight distribution was key. Tyler, um, Boschma, he was the kind of in a hurry. Um, it just, I think he said, this, you know, we, we kind of all in a hurry, right? Like, let's just throw rocks in this and, and get hiking, you know, cause everyone, the rule was you had to be out by midnight. Um, so there was no time to waste and he kind of threw some rocks in some, in bad, not bad places, but not the, you know, like weight was sitting a little low in the pack. Um, I guess that was the, probably the main thing. And then just weight it wasn't distributed very evenly throughout it. And he did, and they actually, one thing we threw in there was the heaviest pack out. Um, you could throw in as many rocks as you wanted, and, and you could, uh, we had some catabatic gear, got us some quilts um, as prizes. So uh, those guys decided to go after that, and I think they the only ones that really went after it. So they did, Travis did 105, Tyler did 100, and then I think Garrett did 85 or something like that. So they did that. 100 105 pounds over 18 miles, which is pretty freaking ridiculous. Um, but but weight distribution is just absolutely critical. You can make 100 pounds feel like 80 or make it feel like 120 um, just through properly getting that weight. And the best tactic um, was just putting small rocks distributed throughout the bag inside your pack versus like this just one big heavy. You know, because a rock is such a going to be a weird clunky odd shape, uh, versus like one pound rock right in the middle. Um, definitely didn't distribute and carry the same as, as little baggies, um, or, you know, little rocks distributed throughout your bag.
0: Yeah, it was, um, yeah, there's it, it was good to see how people had different approaches or different experiences there. I mean, we, we had that problem you just talked about, Steve, of, you know, Joey, we found this 55 pound rock and getting that on the frame situated right it can be difficult i mean cause yeah. even if you have a 60 pound bag of meat that's that's easy peasy right like it's softer yeah. and you can shape it but just as giant boulder is a pain in the butt you know
1: <laughs> yeah oh yeah absolutely
0: so cool yep so that was uh yeah that was that i mean it was we getting out you know team i talked to some guys who were starting at 5 a.m I and mean, we we didn't really start hiking until we didn't start hiking heavy i want to say until 11 o'clock Um, so there's a pretty good span of when guys got started that day a good span of when guys got back that night i mean we we ended up being one of the later teams getting back with a later start plus moving i mean we were moving pretty slow especially at the end um but it's one of those things where you get to that in 18 miles with that weight is just like just slow and steady and stick to it and at times it's going to feel horrible at times it feels better um, it really reinforced on me the importance of, of breaks even, um, mm-hmm. and especially with heavy weight. Cause a lot of times I just, I'll get under a heavy pack and have this mentality of like, let's just go, like, let's just get to the end. Let's get this over with. Um, and so I'm not always the best about wanting to take breaks, uh, especially in that type of situation, but really, I mean, you could take a, a true just five minute break and get going and feel a lot, a lot better. Um, so that that, that stuck out to me a
1: lot. Yeah. There's, you know, 80 pounds, even on a very comfortable pack, 80 pounds, it's still 80 pounds of pressure on your hips and on your shoulders. and, And it's just not a natural thing. So, um, definitely a tip for those long pack outs is, and we pretty much, we would move, you know, at first we were probably doing three mile chunks and then stop, rest, you know. And whether sometimes it was five minutes, sometimes it was fifteen minutes. Um, what you know, if we stopped at water, everybody'd fill up and filter, and that take a little bit longer. And then towards the end, I think we were making it a mile and a half. Um, and then you'd stop and rest. And every time the pack got heavier and heavier when you went to put it back on. But I think your your end result is dramatically better versus if you just slapped all that weight on and try to knock it out as fast as possible. Like your ability to. you want to translate it into real world you're you're elk hunting with your buddy for a week and you know somebody kills one on day two if you really slow down and take your time packing out that elk you're probably going to be just fine to hunt maybe not the next morning but the next evening and the next day versus if you just kind of went gangbusters on it and got that meat out of there as fast as you possibly could and maybe you you might have to if it's super hot or something but if you have the time take the time and i think you you know uh, you're going to be a lot better off come, you know, the next day, two, three days later. So
0: good stuff, man. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was getting back to it, getting to the end. Am I, are we missing? Oh, we are missing a challenge. So we, oh. <laughs> I was like, I know there's something else. So yeah, At 4pm, uh, again, guys are in 80 pound packs already ish, uh, probably been doing it for Four to eight hours at this point, and 4 p.m. is the last challenge envelope. So walk us through that one, Steve. <laughs>
1: yeah. So one thing, uh, you know, again, I think I mentioned this is I, I wanted to keep all the challenges that these are like real things that could happen and maybe situations that you've never been in, falling in a creek when it's you know 30 degrees, uh, having a headlamp having a hike without a headlamp. Um, but the the last one was basically one of the guys in your group fell off a cliff, broke both of his legs. Uh, luckily you have an in reach and the helicopter can get to you but it can only get within half a mile figure out how to get your buddy that half a mile without him touching the ground um, it was super interesting I I, I, ne- I had no clue how hard this was gonna be um, you know I think if in it in in general I'd say people just kind of knocked it out and it wasn't that bad um, but I think if it had been if it was just one-on-one if it was just one guy having to carry his buddy half a mile because we had two guys to carry one dude that would have been a probably a much different story terrible yeah and it was fun (laughs) like the guy the the um the amount of guy like different ways people did it you know we found like we just kind of knocked it out doing piggyback uh we just rotate back and forth like hike you know 100 yards 150 yards and then swap and uh, and just carry the guy. And I think that it was probably worse for the guy who was riding piggyback cause he was like holding on with his arms and, you know, getting his freaking uh, um, family jewels slammed into the back of you. <laughs> you know, like, kind of freaking like, this is uncomfortable. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, um, it wasn't, uh, that bad. I mean, it definitely gave me the perspective of like, if, if you were and I are hunting together and, and something crazy happened, I know I could at least, I know I could move you you know, I could get you a mile or so if I had to, it might take a while, but it could be done.
0: Yeah. That's reassuring. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, this was, this was a good one. And I think with two guys, it's honestly not, not even a big deal. Um, it could be in certain terrain for sure. Like, let's say you had to go, you know, severely up or down something loose. Like, don't get me wrong. It could be difficult, but if you're, in decent country two guys it's yeah it's not too bad um we ended up doing a two-man carry pretty much the whole time it was actually funny at this point we were on road so that made it even easier being late in the day and on this pack out but literally we got uh we got joey and i got Corey hoisted up and basically i i came in like kind of a fireman's carry under joey uh Corey's upper body joey grabbed his legs and we're kind of shuffling him down the road and As soon as we get Corey elevated, we see a car coming down the road in the distance. And so here's two guys in mostly camo carrying a six foot three, six foot four guy down the road. And so as this car just gets closer and closer, Corey's basically laying down on us and facing out back. We just turned Corey to the car (laughs) to like let him be our little representative. It's like, are you guys
1: Okay. And
0: yeah, so we kind of had to explain. Yeah, we're we're okay. We look stupid. We're doing a challenge. Carry on. <laughs> so that was pretty. Yeah,
1: fun. that's pretty. Uh, sure, the story those guys told driving that car to yeah. their buddies when they got back. Like, yeah, <laughs> pretty yeah. comical. <laughs>
0: so cool. That was. Uh, yeah, I mean that was pretty much it. Got back. Everybody made it back by midnight, uh, which was the goal, which was nice. Had a big old fire, swapping stories, and that's always honestly one of the the best parts is not only the joy of getting done with the difficult effort, but just getting back and hanging out and swapping stories and being with all the, all the guys is, is fun for sure. So in the end, I mean, we went on this to, to hopefully get some bears, no teams killed a bear. Um, I think two teams, even, I think only two teams saw a bear if I'm correct. Um, yeah, no shot opportunities, no bears. So, Steve what is the beyond packing out the penalty weight what is the penalty for not killing a bear
1: uh, I don't know if we can talk about the pink shirt <laughs> we got to keep it a surprise <laughs> it's a surprise let's um, just let's
0: just say yeah later this fall you're going to see it some a surprise you're going to see funny some funny photos some funny and entertaining <laughs> photos from yeah a- anyone who was on this hike the next successful hunt they have will be a memorable memorable photo. So look yeah. forward to that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and add some fun into it and get some laughs out of it, and it's going to be yeah, it's gonna be pretty epic. Comes August September when some of these guys start killing animals. So um, yeah, it was awesome experience. I, you know, I fully expected. I think if had we had even remotely decent weather, we should have killed five ish bears. Um, but yeah, just. Those bears like to hunker down, and, and that was unfortunate. But we still had such a great time. So many awesome dudes came. We had 33 guys come out and do this. and um, I, I wish we could have more. That's like 33 is logistically about, yeah, it's it's not easy to coordinate that many guys getting a single place and, and doing everything. So um, can't uh, can't wait for next year, though. We'll figure out how to make it even cooler, bigger, better. Uh, some of the guys are asking to make it harder, so I guess you're going get, to uh, get what you're asking for.
0: Well, that's a wrap. You'll hear more about next year when time comes. I'm sure it's going to be a challenge. We don't even know what it's going to be yet. Even this hike, the plan kind of came together last minute, so we'll see. It'll be fun. Again, guys, go do something like this on your own. Grab some buddies, do a hike, go test yourself, test your gear, test your body, test your mind. Get after it.